that he would be the redeemer. And all of these things were woven together and they converged on the one person, Jesus Christ. But there was one thing that the rabbis left out from their teaching, and that was a suffering Messiah. In, uh, in um, Isaiah 53 and Psalms 22, they thought, most of them thought it was about the nation of Israel. They didn't realize that if you read Psalms 22, it's like an eyewitness account of the cross. And so they left that out. We see on the vantage point of the New Testament or the other side of the cross or the other side of the resurrection. And we see that, that in Isaiah 53 that the servant of the Lord would take and bear the sins of his people. That of men he would be despised and rejected. Of God he would be smitten and afflicted and killed. I, uh, Psalm 22, again, as an eyewitness, he cries out in the very beginning, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He said, I have poured out like water all this. They did not realize that they were talking about the Messiah. So when he tells them, it just didn't compute. They just didn't understand. And he said, I must suffer. I must be rejected. And I must be killed. I must go to Jerusalem. And this is what is going to happen. They didn't realize it. You know, sometimes you can have the revelation that he is a mighty God in Christ, but sometimes we can still lack a little thing that God is still working some things off in our life. Hey, let me tell you, that's why we have a pastor. That's why we have a church, because sometimes God can speak to us, but we don't got all the information. We can, have, we can have a lot of truth, but sometimes we miss out what God is saying, because let me tell you, his ways are above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. As far as the heavens are, Like us, sometimes what is preached over this pulpit or what you find in the Word of God in your private reading, we don't respond well either. <laughs> so Jesus began to teach and Peter began to rebuke. Now he's not rebuking his fourth grade teacher. He's not rebuking fifth grade teacher. He's rebuking the incarnate word of God teaching the word of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This is who Peter is rebuking. I mean church, we're not talking about a month ago. We're talking about moments ago. He said the highest revelation that anybody can get you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are God in the flesh. You are the Messiah. You are the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You are it. You are the promised one. And then Jesus gives him a little more detail what that means, and he doesn't like it. Come on now, have you ever come to church and heard something you didn't like? Have you said something you didn't like, but you knew it was true? You just have enough sense not to rebuke them. Let's give Peter a little bit of benefit. He didn't have the Holy Ghost. 
sometimes Pastor God has said some things to me that I didn't respond well. I was like, that can't be how things are done. Hey, can church, I, I, can I just tell you, there was no reason for me to leave Clinton at 53 years old with a 12-year-old daughter to go out there and to start churches. But the voice of God. I did not, at this particular time, I, I knew what God was telling me to do. But there are times in my life that God has spoken to me and asked me to do something that did not make any sense. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, don't leave me up here by myself now. I don't understand why God did that. I don't understand why he brought that into my life. I don't understand what he is doing at all in my life. Peter rebuked him. Now this is not some kind of mild opposition against God. That rebuke is the same word that the Jesus would rebuke the demons to hell and counted them worthy of condemnation. He would rebuke them and silence them by rebuking them. This is the same word that Peter is doing. He is hostile to what God is telling him was going to happen. In essence, what he says is, this will never happen. Never! I've come all the way to tell you, never say never. never. Okay, we can go home. Never tell God never. If you want to come after him. Now, if you just want to be somebody that comes in and pays your tithes and walks but if you're coming after him, never say never. Give God some time to work on you. Give some time for the pastor to help you through. But never say never. He says to God, he says to Jesus, this will never happen. Now, I'm sure when the Bible says the force of this sentence here is that this is the word, not just a little bit of information. When he says, he spake these things openly. Amplify says he held nothing back. He took them all. You know when the gospel was first preached? In Genesis, I will put enmity between thy seed and her seed. And he will bruise your head and you will bruise. That's a gospel message. I'm sure he took them all the way back to Genesis. I'm sure he took them all the way back and began to tell them about Isaiah and, and Psalms. And he, but he spake to, he let them know everything that he was going to do. He, the Bible says he spoke these things openly. And Peter didn't like it at all. He held nothing back. The incarnate word of God who embodies all truth speaks nothing but with divine authority. And here Peter is saying this will never happen, never. Now I've never had this happen, maybe you have. Get behind me, Satan, is God's response, Jesus' response to Peter. You know why he said that? Because that same temptation, that same enticement that the devil brought to Jesus in the wilderness at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry has shown up again. This time it's not a slippery serpent. It's not the devil. It's a disciple. Don't tell me we can't get sideways with God. Don't tell me we can't have a little rebellion rise up within us and we say never. That's why you need to come to church on midweek. You need to come to church on Sunday. You need to be involved in corporate prayer because sometimes we can get 
they said this, it only brought me pain. I saw how they prospered. I saw how everything they touched turned to gold and how they, they prospered and everything they did and they were wicked. But, he said, but until I went to the house of God and remembered therein, he said, my foot was nigh on the slip. And thank God for Sunday service and thank God for revivals and thank God for prayer meetings and thank God for corporate prayer and corporate fasting. It helps me make it because I know myself sometimes I rise up and get what God is wanting to do. Don't think because you know that he is the mighty God in Christ that sometimes you do you think, do I think that I'm going to be able to walk through the rest of my Christian walk without ever being corrected? Now, pastor, I'm just speaking for myself. We rather you listen from the pulpit. Sometimes we got to psych ourselves out and say, i got to talk to him because I'm a shepherd. But I, I, I know this for myself. I'm not going to be able to 53 all the way to the day I die and not have somebody correct me, not have, not have God come and say, that you can't think that way, you can't do that. And neither are you. Thank God for the church. Thank God for correction. Correct me, teach me, preach to me. Bring me to the altar. <laughs> he said, thou be the son of God, take these stones and Turn them to bread. Thou be the Son of God, throw thyself down the pinnacle of the temple. Thou be the Son of God, just, just genuflect. And I'll give you every kingdom of the Lord. He was offering Jesus what he came to die for. With no pain. No cross. No wrath of God. No walking down the deal with Della Rosa. None of that. If you bow to me, the devil said, I will give it to you. You remember what happened? After he departed the Lord, was driven away from the Lord, the Bible says, it's, and it's a foreboding, it says, and he left him for a season. And so now, these years later, Jesus recognizes that same temptation and he sees that Peter is being used by the devil. God, you, you are the Christ, but you're not going to suffer. Thou art the Christ, the Messiah, but you're not going to be rejected. Why? Because Peter did not care for the things of God. He said, thou savorest the things that be of man and not of God. Church, here is the great divide. Godly people are concerned about the things of God. The godless are not concerned about the things of God. And he says to Peter, you don't care. You have tasted. You are tasting the things of the world, not the things that be of God. Peter, you don't understand what my kingdom is all about. You know, if I've been a pastor for a long time and people have had transplants, organ transplants, heart transplants, been part of that. But you know, I, I kind of learned a thing or two about that, that they go through great pain. In fact, a lady in our church is on the phone from 8 o'clock at, at night to 8 o'clock in the morning, and all she's doing is taking phone calls trying to find donors 
for these people that have died. And she's calling people all over the country. They find that, that oh, we have a donor here in Ann Arbor. We have a donor in Texas. And they take that organ and they fly it wherever. And because they realize, the first thing they, they realize is that it's got to have, they've got to have close to the same uh, blood type. Because if they put that heart or that organ in the wrong blood type, the body will reject it. That organ, that heart, will become a biohazard to that body. And what Peter, what God is trying to tell to Peter, we are the body of Christ. That kind of attitude, that kind of heart will not work in my body. I want to tell you, we'd like to have it maybe a different way, but it is not going to be a different way. If you're going to be a person of God, if you're going to be a woman of God, if you're going to be a man of God, if you're going to be a young person of God, you're going to have to have the heart that God says the church is going to have. Not one of stone, but one of flesh. He said, hey, say, get behind me, Satan. That kind of attitude, that kind of spirit, and that kind of heart will not work in my body. It will be rejected. You savor the things that be of man and not of God. And then he tells us right here what is needed to come after him. You must deny yourself. Yeah, it sounds that bad. I wish I could tell you that, that you can serve God any way you want. I wish I could tell you he'll take sloppy seconds. I wish I could tell you he'll just take what you give him. Maybe there's a season that God's merciful, but I'm going to tell you where he's getting you to and where he's trying to grow you to is that you deny yourself. So every once in a while, you'll go through a crisis where you lose your job or you get a flat tire or somebody comes up against you that you didn't think they would, a boss, a kill, whatever it might be. We know the thrill. And what happens is when we go through these things, we're exercising our faith. Have you ever been to the gym and the first couple days it's like, but you keep going at it, all of a sudden you're having to do more weight and more weight because you're extra. Let me tell you, if you've been through a thing or two, you can take a lick and keep on ticking because you know God is faithful. when you come into all kinds of things in your life because let me tell you, that's how we grow and we come up against those things knowing that God, hey let me tell you, rejoice not against me, oh my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, God shall come and be a light unto me. Yes. Yes. We go through things, we, we experience things that makes our faith but if you if you don't deny, it means to zero yourself out. It means to disregard yourself. It means this really to disown yourself. Well, it's a lot easier to preach than to live. I'll just be honest with you. There's times that. <laughs> that I'll be maybe said a harsh word to my wife and it's a real harsh word not a cuss word but a harsh word and I'll be like Ugh. she'll be in the bedroom upset I'm like, Ugh. and I love her I don't, I don't know why I have a hard time going in there telling her I'm sorry <laughs> you know what it's like I'm just like I don't want to do that but I know I gotta do it so I'll go in there and say hey honey 
I'm sorry. If it's on a Saturday night, you know what she'll say? Yeah, you didn't want your prayers hindered and you were going to church, so you had to come in here. I said, you're right, I did it, now you have to accept it. I, I don't know why sometimes, but God, God lets us go through these things. I think sometimes we're married because God lets us know how bad of a sinner they are. And we let them know how bad of a sinner we are. And you have to practice all this fruit of the Spirit. Long-suffering, hello somebody. Kindness, gentleness. And God allows you to do what? To practice these things every day. It does say, His kingdom does say, pray for your enemies. You know what people say to me? I'm going to pray for my friends. But there's something that happens in this kingdom when I am last. When I lose, can I just tell you? There's been a few times I've been embarrassed to make the phone call to say I made a mistake. I've had to make it to my voice, son. I was wrong. That too. <laughs> I've been embarrassed. I've been, but see, that's the walk of God. Sometimes we, 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 there's shame involved. There is, there is suffering involved. There's rejection involved because somehow when I follow and and taking up your cross is your your son-in-law is not your cross. Your mother-in-law is not your cross. Your suffering is not your call. It's what, why you suffer and why you are rejected. Because I believe his word. His word. I'm following. The cross is picking up the word of God and living out the word of God. And your cross will be different than my cross. And your experience might be a little different. But everybody that comes after him will pick up their cross. And you'll do it daily. You'll do it multiple times in the day. I, wanna, I think I'm talking to some people here today that want to come after him. But I'm telling you, if you're going to come after him, you have to deny yourself and zero yourself out and, and disown yourself and say, God, this is how the kingdom of God works. The greatest thing that you can say is here am Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up his train fills the temple it fellows out into the, all over the temple he sees that he sees these, these sheriffs they got like six wings two that cover their face because they're in the direct presence of the Lord. Two, they flew. Two, they covered their feet because they were created beings. Remember when Moses came up to take off their shoes? You're on holy ground. Amen. And sometimes we get all caught up in, the, in, in, in that imagery. But what they were saying back and forth is more important than the angels. They were like, holy, 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 holy. And when Isaiah saw that, what did he say? Whoa! It's me. 
and you realize how in need you are of Him. How rotten we really are. And so Isaiah sees this. He goes, woe is me. I have unclean lips and I dwell with people with unclean lips. And I tell you, if you begin to see and pray and see the holiness of God, you're not going to point your finger at anybody else. You're going to say, woe is me. Woe is me. The most important thing you can do in your life is see the holiness of God. And after he sees the holiness of God, he finds something new here. That now, the holy thing, before holy things could not, could not touch anything that was unclean. But now we have the holiness of God coming down and touching the lips of that prophet. And says, your iniquities are taken away. When you see the holiness of God, there's not going to be any pride in you. There's not going to be any, I'm not going to do this. This will never happen. You will say, oh God, woe is me. And then, when he's cleansed, he says this. Who will go? Who will we be able to send? Isaiah says, here am I. Not here I am as in some kind of geographical location, but here am I. That word is hidei in, in, the, in the Hebrew. It means I am open. I am ready to receive without knowing what comes next. It was how long? He says, until. The same thing happened with Moses. Before God told him where he was going to go, he said, here am I. Abraham, before he took his son, his only son, he said to God, when God spoke to him, Abraham, he said, here am I. The greatest thing that we can do tonight is come to this altar today and say, God, I want you to know, here am I. That's the only way to follow him. That's the only way it works is for this to be in our heart. God, I, before I know the price I have to pay, before I know where you're taking me, I want you to know that I don't hear and I. So anybody in the house has a desire to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Is anybody hungry for the things of God? So many times we can Savor the things that be of man. But God said, hey, that will not work in my kingdom. I'm here tonight. Let's all stand. I'm here tonight to tell you if you're going to come after him. I'm not talking about singing. I'm not talking about even coming and sitting down in these nice, comfortable chairs. But if you're going to come after him, There is no other way. There is no other option. I must deny myself. I must pick up that cross and his word. And his word speaks to me through my pastor or through uh, the word of God, ministry. I'm going to obey him and pick up my cross. It's going to lead you to forgiving those. It's going, to be, it's going to lead you not just to walk one mile, but walk two. It's going to lead you not to say, hey, be fed and clothed and be warm and not do anything. It's going to cause you for your faith to be in operation if you're going to come after him.
I wonder if we could lift our hands tonight all over this building today. I feel like we need to make a new and another commitment. This won't be the last time you make this commitment. This will not be the last time you lift your hands and say, God, here am I. I wonder if anybody would like just to walk from where you are to this altar for just a few moments today as a way of connecting, as a way of drawing close to the Lord for just a moment. These altars are open today. I wonder if we can do that for just a moment today, Lord. And as you're walking, you say, Lord, here am I. Here am I, Lord. I'm sorry for the things I've made it, Lord. I know I haven't had the right heart that's required, God. I know, Lord, I've missed it, God. And I'm asking you today, Lord, to help me. Come on, let's pray in the Spirit today. Let's reach out to the Lord today, the God, the God that wants us. Hallelujah. He wants us to say, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's lift our voices to the Lord today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church, if you're going to come after him, this is where it begins. You'll never regret it. <clears throat> You'll never be short. <laughs> hallelujah. You'll never regret Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. I don't want to try to save my life, Lord, and do it how I think it needs to be done. That's why some of us have had civil war in our walk with God a long time. Because we have not denied ourselves. We have not picked up our cross. We have not followed after Him. Hallelujah. That's why there's so much conflict in your walk with God. That's why there's hesitation in your walk with God. That's why sometimes when the Spirit begins to move in the church, you're a little uncomfortable, unsettled. You've had civil war in your mind. But I want to tell you, just say, God, here am I, Lord. God, I understand, Lord, like the disciples did not understand it. They didn't see it, Lord, but now I see it, Lord. If I'm going to follow after you, if I'm going to have the peace of God, i got to take up my cross. I've got to deny myself, oh God. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. God, I pray, Lord. Come on, church. We're going to have to pick up that second cross. <clears throat> he carried the first cross. we got to carry the second cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is no liberty. There is no freedom. Until we deny ourselves and pick up our cross. Then and only then can we follow Him and come after Him. Does anybody want to come after the Lord tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody might need to repent tonight. Somebody might need to make a commitment to Him all over again. Yes, Lord, this is what I want. Uh, that's it. Pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is how it's done. This is how it's done. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight.
God of thanking, Lord. Thanking if I felt your spirit. Thanking if I came to church, oh God. But you're asking just more of that, God. You're asking for disciples today. You are either a disciple or you're an enmity with God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Not that we're perfect. No, we're not. But we got to lean toward him. We got to depend upon him. And when we make a mistake, it doesn't take us five days to ask God to forgive us. We're there right away because we don't want there to be a fissure between our relationship with God. Oh, God, forgive me, Lord. I repent of my sins today, Lord. There is only one way. There is only one way. Hallelujah. If I'm going to be a disciple, hallelujah, or I am at enmity with God, I'm against God, or I am his disciples,
with some people in here tonight. And I believe that you're hungry for God in that same way. And I, I believe that it just, it just absorbed inside of you. God, I, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Willing to do whatever you want me to do. Here am I, not here I am. Here am I, not here I am. Can we give the Lord a praise right now? Thank you. second time I, I remember I'm going through Lyra, Uganda on the back of a motorcycle and there's like thousands of motorcycles and cars and horns going off and I'm, I'm on the back of this motorcycle praying that I make it to this meeting that I'm getting to and I realize what am I doing here God? I called you to do this and, and you'll do anything if you're willing to deny yourself I wasn't in my Subaru I like my Subaru a lot better than the back of somebody's motorcycle. But guess what? They got me there. They got me there. God's good. God's good. Thank you so much. Uh, do you have anything you want to share about Michigan and what you're doing there? I know you, you shared briefly at the first. Do you, anything else? That you want to share with people? Well, God, we, we want to pray for you. We want yeah, to. What we're doing is we're going from city to city, our churches. We're going to start with the 16, at 50,000 more than those apostolic witness only PCC churches. And so we need to find the pastor that will go in with me. Pastor the way that I've been turning over to them. That's the key. Yeah. Or not stay there for 10 years. Right. Turn it over. So, how long do you stay there when you plan the church? Well, it just depends on some, some people I might be able to turn over to right away. Some might be able to do more But we our, our desire is to do two to maybe three at the first time. Pastor season's enough. There's people over there and we'll do one in the afternoon. And so that's all that's what we'd like to do. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. How many are gonna pray? Brother Richmond. How many are gonna pray? Amen. 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 Perhaps we can uh, watch his pattern and what he does as God just continues to move here and we establish more churches in coastal Georgia yes. as he's been doing and as we've been doing. But there's more to be done. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I believe it starts in two weeks when we start the second service. I think that second service is like a whole... Uh, maybe it's not like a plant exactly, but it's like that. I mean, everybody, every musician is going to be coming to another service, which he told us about three services a week. I mean, he's excited about what the Lord's going to do every day. I believe, I believe there, there are people that we're going to affect that are going to come to that service that perhaps would have never been to the 11 o'clock service and in order to be able to reach them and minister to them. I, I believe it's going to be powerful and uh, I know it's time to dismiss and, and uh, I'm just excited after hearing him and him talking about preaching three services on Sunday or having three services on Sundays and, uh, and, and, and albeit in different places and 
just stirs up something apostolic inside of me. How about you?
God's doing work in Brother Tim and Sister Chastity's life, their entire family. And she is so hungry. I've seen it on her for the last the last month, and, and she just had her mind made up tonight. When she walks up, I don't even know anything. I just see that blue dress she's got on. It sure does look a lot like a Baptist hero. <laughs> got to get it done. And, uh, Sister Chastity, upon the honest confession of your faith, obedience to the word of the Lord, it is an honor to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. As God has filled you with the Holy
And so the past few services, they've hit home. And I've asked God to give back some things I used to do in churches a long time ago. And I see doors opening. And I know the enemy is defeated. And that he can't take back the victory I've gained back. And he better watch out. Between me and thee, while we are absent, 
one from another. In Jesus' name. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. You are caught on.